Sunday, January 22nd, and it's the last Sunday before class is back in session at Wheaton College. Everybody back to Norton shortly. And this is the final episode before the second semester of the Wheaton Watch. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Walsh, and a full weekend of action, full week and particularly weekend, everybody in action this past Saturday, all of the Wheaton uh, winter teams competing both at home and on the road. A lot to dive into, so let's kick it off right away. We'll do it with Artistic Swim. They made their season debut. Uh, they swam today, actually, in the figures events, but uh, also in action yesterday. They hosted Stanford University, making the trip into Norton from out west. And first meet of the season and really tough competition to go up against Stanford Arguably the best team in collegiate artistic swimming ever, I should say. A very talented squad and just absolutely dominant. A team that features Olympians, uh, members of the national team, all different resumes coming from Stanford. And a good showing for Wheaton. They fell in the duos, trios, solos, and teams, but took home the wins in the figures in the B, C, and D categories. Stanford, just so talented, a very good team that is very fun to watch. And Wheaton also had a really, really good showing, as I just said. Sidney McLaren, Kelsey Dolak, Marina Greenwood, and Hannah Halberg were all extremely impressive to watch. I got to have the call of that this past Saturday inside Balfour Natatorium. And it was a great time. I mean, one of my favorite sports to watch and commentate. It's just so unique and it's so impressive what they can do just considering how difficult it is to not even only tread water but to do what they do out of the water with usually holding their breath. It's just, I, I'm in awe watching it. So Stanford came in and Oren took the win this past weekend. We in quick turnaround though, they'll be back in action next weekend down in Denton, Texas, as they'll compete against Texas Women's University, and they'll return back to Balfour Auditorium in February, where they'll host Incarnate Words. So once again, great showing and a great weekend to kick off the Artistic Swim Weekend. Big shout out to Sidney McLaren, Kelsey Dolak, Marina Greenwood, and Hannah Halberg, always putting on a great performance for the Wheaton Artistic Swim Team. Another team that kicked off their 2023 portion of their home schedule was the men's and women's track and field squads. They had their second competition of the year after competing at Coast Guard last weekend. This time, they hosted Colby College yesterday inside Beard Field's house. It was the Lion and Mule dual meet, which also featured Connecticut College, Wentworth, Worcester State, and Gordon. I did not have the call of that yesterday, but I did swing by to catch some of it, and it was a fantastic showing on both the men's and women's side, and it made a very competitive contest between Colby. Uh, first year, Mashina Loriston won the 60 meters for Wheaton with a time of 8.10 seconds to qualify for New England's. She also placed fourth in the 200. Skylar Wise, another great showing following up a great weekend at Coast Guard. She captured first place to win the 200 with a time of 26.63 seconds, also another New England qualifying time. 
And the first year, Jazz Vanderhoof, who was the cross-country standout this past fall, was the third line to qualify for New England. She had a time of 2.25.07 in the 800 meters. On the men's side, Jordan Pinnix won the 60-meter hurdles with a time of 8.47 seconds, which qualified him for the New England championship. And it gave him the 42nd fastest time across Division Three in the event. And his fellow sophomore, John Dowgert, out of Methuen, Mass., also qualified for New England. And he is one of the speediest guys I've ever seen in person. I mean, he can absolutely fly. He got first place with a time of 23.10 seconds to win the 200. And senior Matt Cahill out of Brewster, Mass., out on the Cape, had another great showing in the high jump as usual in his career at Wee. And he had a first place finish, qualified for New England as well, 1.90 meters. And he also qualified in the 60 meter hurdles with a time of 8.65 seconds. He finished second in that race. What a fantastic day. Really competed closely with Colby on both the men's and women's side, as I said. And. This was a pretty good Colby team in the last couple of years coming in, and it just shows where Kim Spence has her teams on both the men's and women's side continuing to improve in and out each year. Quick turnaround for men's and women's track and field, and I'll have the call on this one. They'll be back home next Saturday, 3.30, inside Beer Fieldhouse. They'll play host to the Wheaton Invitational. Make sure to tune into that, or if you're around, swing by inside of Beard Fieldhouse. There'll be a lot of action going on. Uh, Not only will the Wheaton men's and women's track and field team be competing, but we'll have a full day of action inside the Haas Athletic Center. Men's and women's basketball also competing. They'll have back-to-back home games right before track and field kicks off at 3.30. Made note about them playing this upcoming Saturday inside the Haas Athletic Center. It's the women's basketball team, but before we get to the action ahead, we'll look at this past week for Weed and Women's Basketball. Two road games for the women this week. On Wednesday, they took down Emerson 59 44 and then lost to a very talented MIT team yesterday, Saturday, score 67 49 in favor of of the engineers in the Emerson game. It was a back and forth game for the first three quarters. And so back and forth where he had a tie at 41 through three quarters of play. And then the lions, I'll actually take that back. I'll rephrase that both teams are the lions, except obviously Wheaton throwing in the Y there after the L in the Emerson game tied through three quarters. Then Wheaton just, Put it away in the fourth quarter. Final score, as I said, 59-44. 41-41 through the first three quarters. Whedon outscored Emerson 18-3 in the fourth quarter. And a huge part of that was the first year. Nasha Arnold, she had a career-high 16 points and threw in 10 rebounds with it as well. It's her second double-double of the season. She had her first one back in December. I believe it was the first week of December against... Salve Regina for a big win. That was part of that seven-game win streak that the Wheaton woman went on in the first semester. And, boy, she's quite talented. And 
it's scary how good this team can be in the next coming years. They're already pretty good. I've said this over and over again. They're above 500, one and two in the new Mac right now, but overall above 500. And the team is so young. So this year they're already in a pretty good place. And I can't even think of the places they'll go in the next coming years, considering a bulk of the team being first years and sophomores. And Arnold is a huge part of that. One of the best defensive players on the team, probably the best rebounder. So second double-double, 16 and 10 for Arnold. Abby Fernandes, probably overall the top scorer on the team the last two years. She chipped in 12 points for Fernandes. And a huge win, first win of the new Max slate for the Wheaton woman up in Boston on Wednesday. And didn't get the results they were looking for at MIT on Saturday, as I said, fell in that game 67-49. to 49. That MIT squad is very talented. Uh, Regan Cater, back in double figures. She led the way in the loss. 16 points, 7 rebounds for Cater. And then Greta Minos, uh, somewhat of a homecoming for her, just over the bridge into Cambridge from her hometown of Boston. She chipped in with 14 points, trying to get back in a groove that she had in the first semester. She can be a breakout player anytime she steps on the court and really good showing from cater as she's had so far this season averaging 10.5 points per game and impressively as a forward shooting 84 percent from the free throw line she continues to improve day in day out and i really credit the work ethic of these players and also the coaching staff natalie win allison chernow and then obviously Sarah Benkhorst, the head coach. It's not easy to develop players and put together a team that's so young, and they've been doing an excellent job with that so far, and the players have really bought into that. So as I said, 1-2 and two in the new MAC right now for women's basketball. Home of the next two games, though. Wednesday, they'll host WPI, and then Saturday, they'll host Clark. Um Game on Wednesday either tips at 6 or 8. It's a doubleheader with men's game both Wednesday and Saturday. Pulling it up right now. The game on Wednesday tips at 8 o'clock. And then the men play at 6. Saturday flip-flop. The men will play at 11 a.m. And then the Wheaton woman play at one it'll be a rematch with Clark they met earlier in the season but that was actually a non-conference game so this time it counts they'll host Clark Saturday in a new Mac matchup excited to be on the call for that one inside Emerson Gymnasium then for men's basketball it was a tough week on paper for the Wheaton men 0-2 on the week falling to 3-3 in conference play and then eight and eight overall so 500 in both but when you really while watching the games and then looking back on who they played and the box scores it was two losses that I mean the best you can play and lose a game against strong opponents they lost to Emerson back on Wednesday 89 86 and then we're also on the road saturday at number 12 nationally ranked wpi they lost 78 to 68 and that wednesday game at emerson 
back and forth for so long. They trailed by six at the half, then outscored Emerson 49-46 in the second half. So a shootout for Wheaton on the wrong side of it, though. Uh, big performances, though, all weekend for the Wheaton men. Back on Wednesday, three players in double figures. Alex Carlisle, 26 points on pretty impressive 8 of 16 shooting from the field. And then Ty Murphy. I talked about it last week on the show. When he gets his groove, he will be probably the best shooter on the team alongside Cook. Well, Murphy, especially from three-point range. And he had a couple games the last couple weeks where struggled from outside, didn't really get in a rhythm, but he might have listened and heard what I was saying. He turned it on at Emerson Wednesday night, 6 of 8 from 3, 7 of 10 from the field for Murphy, finished with 20 points, tying his career high that he hit last year late in the season at WPI when he also had 20 points. Evan Cook. I always say it about him, steady as always. 18 points for the senior, 6 of 9 from the floor, 2 of 3 from beyond the arc. And then the streak is now over officially for Aaron Williams in terms of scoring in double figures. I believe 13 or 14 games straight when he was in double figures, fouled out of this game with 9 points. Still made his effect on the game. Had 10 rebounds. For the Lions, but just came up short of reaching double figures for what would have been an impressive 14 or 15 straight games. So three-point loss on the road in Boston Wednesday night for the Wheaton men. So that moved Emerson into second place in the new Mac. That game was to determine that both teams were three and one in conference play going in. And then Saturday, really tough loss. They were in this game for a long, long time at WPI, and I mentioned it previously, ranked 12th in the entire country, a team that has been a force to be reckoned with the last two years. Wheaton fell 78-68, to and we're up at the half, 33-32 at the half, and led by even more of that, even more than that, I should say, at points throughout the second half, but a late run... About halfway through the second half, just pulled WPI ahead. Then the Lions never really caught up after that. So they fall to 3-3 three and three in the new Mac after that game. WPI improving to 6-0 and overall in the conference and 14-2 and for an overall record. Aaron Williams got right back into his groove, though. And the loss poured in 24 points, then pulled down 9 rebounds. And on once again, three players in double figures. Carlisle, 15 points. And then right back to him, Evan Cook, 6 of 8 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3, 14 points for Cook. He's such a huge part of this team, but is usually not the guy that's at the top of the box score. Um, a stretch ahead. So that's the two top teams in the conference right now that they played this week. So a little bit of a break until... They have a huge test, I would say. I mean, they have Coast Guard at home Saturday. Fell to them earlier in the year to kick off conference play. But I'm feeling that, feeling like that's going to be a bounce-back win. But before that, they'll have MIT at home Wednesday night. Then, as I just said, Coast Guard at home Saturday. That's an 11 a.m. tip, an early one. Make sure 
you get out of bed for that and head over to Emerson Gymnasium. Should be a good one. Big week for Wheaton women's and men's basketball coming up. And then lastly, two of the hottest teams that I've seen on a long time in campus. Men's and women's swimming and diving. Kick it off with the men right now. Two meets since that huge, I mean huge win last Saturday against Babson on senior day. And one and one on the week for the men, but that loss, oh my goodness. I couldn't believe the score when I saw it. Thursday at WPI. WPI won 144.5 to 143.5. That's the closest margin of victory I've seen in a collegiate swimming meet since I started following it back early on last year, my first year here at Wheaton. And, oh, that's... But even to get that close, just going back and looking at all the records, this team is completely, completely flipped around, and they're so strong. And it's just so impressive what Coach Barrett Roberts has done with the team, the recruiting class he's brought in, everybody just on the same page getting it done, and a lot of usual names having good showings for Wheaton. This past week in the WPI meet, really good showings. Brody Wilson, Will Larson, Ben Goho, Anton Lopez, as always. Gavin Cullinan leading the way once again, 22 points overall. Sean Hill, a sophomore with a win in the 200 free. Andrew Tran winning the 200 breast. Will Garno, consistent as always. Brian Hickson, very good first year for Hickson so far. And Peter Beyer, another great year on the diving board. Had a split. He took the win in the one-meter board. And then Val Carenti for WPI took the win off the three-meter board. So one and one for Peter Beyer, the sophomore out of New Orleans. And then a bounce-back win on the road in Hartford Saturday. Took down Trinity 173 to 112 and is basically... The same names, getting it done, calling in another huge day. And with that, that wraps up the dual meet season for the Lions. And I'm sure they're all proud of this. The first time since 2016 that the Lions have finished with a record over 500 in the dual meet season. They wrap it up at 7-6. and So congratulations to that whole team. But... Still work to be done. They'll be at the Roger Williams last chance meet Friday, February 3rd. So a bit of a longer break than they've been accustomed to the last couple of weeks. And then after that, you know what it is, the new MAC championships. They'll kick off February 16th. But we'll still have a lot of time to talk about that almost a full month before they'll be at the new MAC. And then saving the best for last right now, women's swim and dive. Perfect record in their dual meet season. 201 to 91 over WPI, then 197 to 97 over Trinity. Katie Walls lit it up in the pool at WPI on Thursday. Won all three events she entered, scored a meet high 27 points, and just 
huge part of the cause, as always. Everybody else, Reese Hartman, Madeline Eller, Lily Watson, Elfinity, Emily Eds, Brooke Clucci, Anna Curry, Morgan Coughlin-Doyle, Bella Barrett on the diving board, Amelia Butler, Kat Foster, just outstanding. They've been so consistent this year, and that's why this team finishes the dual meet season at 13-0. and Two big wins over two good opponents, WPI and Trinity, but nobody really gave Wheaton that big of a test on the women's side this year. The closest meet they had was over Bates, 162-132, to 132, way back in late November. That was Saturday, November 19th at Wesleyan, but Bates was also there. That was the biggest test they got all year, and they still won by 30 points, and... This team is going to be very dangerous in the postseason. They're going to make some noise. It's going to be great. Check back in Wheaton Watch next weekend. Hear all about this week in Wheaton Athletics. It was the wrap-up of this week in Wheaton Athletics, as I was just talking about. And not back to campus yet, but still wanted to mix in a guest before we got there, so... Not going to sign off yet. Stay tuned right here. Don't go anywhere. The first guest on the Wheaton Watch up next. Now on to having a guest on the show for the first time since we've moved over from 96.5 WCCS to the podcasting world here on the Wheaton Watch. And we're still on break, obviously, as that's winding down. Class is starting up soon, so not really in direct contact with a lot of other student-athletes unless it's when I'm on campus to broadcast games, but that's obviously still a busy time. So bringing on a guest here for this first time that's not actually affiliated with Wheaton College at all. It's somebody that I've known for a long time and kind of shares similar interests with me in terms of what we're doing right now and what we want to do for a career. So it's Michael Claprood, also 20 years old, Cumberland, Rhode Island, a sophomore at Endicott College, and he's also on the baseball team and heavily involved in the world of communication. So, Mike, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, very excited to be on this. So, I wanted to bring you on because at we and there's not a lot of people like me that are involved in different variations of sports media and especially communications in particular. Um, so in Endicott is a little different than that. You guys have a pretty big communications program, unlike Wheaton does. So a lot more going on in terms of student work in that field. So that's why I want to bring you on, you know, maybe spark a little interest in other people too, or that are looking to go into sports communications and can pave their own path at Wheaton like I am. But before we get into any of that, just tell us a little bit about yourself and where you came from. Yeah. So like you said, I'm a, Sophomore in Endicott College, I play baseball as well. Um, even since a young age, I've really been interested in sports media and everything that has to do with it. Even if it's like social media, broadcasting, um, news, different types of like other other media inside like athletics and sports. And I really found like a major that fit my like my qualities and things I want to pursue when I'm older. And I think communication was a great choice and hopefully a degree that I get in two years. Is there 
It's just straight up communications there, right? Nothing yep. else. Do you just have Do you have a minor alongside of that? No minor. What would what are other options in terms of like kind of the communications field that you could have a major or minor in there? Um, we have TV and film, which is more of like obviously like filming and editing, and then we have digital media, which is more along the social media and graphic design world, and then kind of getting getting out of that and something along the lines of like sport management, where like a lot of my friends and people that I know are looking to be like athletic directors or inside um different parts of athletics or maybe like a like some people want to be like a general manager role for like a professional sports team is what they're aspiring for so everything that like you want to aspire for are at your hands and at your disposal at Endicott yeah I know it's somewhere I was looking to mostly because of the programs like you just talked about really great opportunities but I mean it all worked out for me obviously at Wheaton was going into this field something that you knew you wanted to do based on your love of sports growing up? And I know you played a lot of on the same teams as me, watched a lot of the same teams. So where did that interest kind of come into in going into the sports media and communications field? Yeah, since a young age, I would say like I really drew interest towards broadcasters and seeing how they can affect a game when – you're not physically at the game. Like when you're listening to like an announcer have like high energy or like a, like a slogan they look to like it, it really sticks with people and they're lo looking forward to like the game that you're watching on TV or possibly on the radio. And it, it really like expresses like the interest of people that are watching on TV, even though they're not physically there. Yeah. That's along the same lines of me of why I wanted to go to, it's just so cool how, you can still be connected to sports and even some of your favorite teams if you get to where you want to be and take a completely different route than actually playing the sport. Um, turn me over to high school now. When did um, like baseball and your education kind of come into ties of you trying to think, all right, I want to play baseball. I want to go into communications when did you kind of hit that realization? Um, I would say throughout high school, I would say that I really wanted to play baseball in college, and it was a dream and aspiration of mine. But, like, talking to friends and family and people that are I'm very close to realized, like, baseball doesn't last forever. You need something to fall back on. And I quickly realized how important sports is in my life and the the impact and love and aspirations I have for it. And I realize that there's nothing I would rather do than be around a sports team or around sports that I love and cover it and really express like my interest toward it to other people. Yeah. I mean, anybody around here that's in our position, including me, you're always going to hear that answer. They kind of hit him at one point, like, all right, I'm a guy that might not go get drafted or go play in the sec at some point. So I have to, find something else that I like and that's what hit me too with play-by-play -play announcing and a big thanks to everybody at Cumberland High School for getting me into that and I was always into it but I never really got a chance to do it mm -hmm. at like in an in-game level something that matters and I know that was the same for you so talk about when you just barely would get into a little bit of communication stuff at Cumberland and that was also because of COVID too yeah um my first time 
I got into some communication related stuff was doing public address announcing for fall sports and then I went into basketball my senior year and did that but like you said with COVID there wasn't anyone there so I ended up announcing to an empty gym and then on your senior day for basketball I ended up just announcing to like 20 people in the stands and I found like a very high interest in that and realizing like okay like people are giving me some compliments and people really like what I like what I'm doing with that so I'll try and continue it in college and I've been lucky enough to do some of our high major sports in basketball and football who've been in contention for conference championships and been in NCAA tournaments so I've Definitely been very lucky and my experience continues to grow and I'm very thankful for that. You just mentioned that that you got to do some of the play-by-play, uh, excuse me, not play-by-play, PA stuff at Endicott. What, pretty much sum up everything you have done for communications at Endicott. It all, I mean, I know it's a long list, but what's the big rundown on what you have done so far? Yeah, so like I mentioned, I did public address announcing for football and basketball, and I did some soccers too. Um, usually the game's later in the fall because we have uh, fall baseball to participate in on the team. And then I recently, like early into my freshman year, I'd say I got into sports information and like the social media and um, things like that. I got into that really quickly and I got in, in with my uh, sports information director, Sean Medeiros had a lot of experience and connections around the, that field and I I just fell in love with it writing recaps doing graphic design social media posts and then I got really lucky and landed an internship with the Providence College media relations team which is on a bigger scale than Endicott but I got in with their um, sports info sports information director Arthur Parks and we we really tackled like what I wanted to do and what I wanted to pursue inside sports information and all my experiences keep growing and I'm really, really grateful to be in this position. Yeah, I was just going to get into that with you. I mean, that's a really cool thing you've done the last two years interning with the PC men's basketball team. I mean, how has that been so far? I know you're still wrapping up this weekend with it before you go back to school, but two really good teams that Providence has put out the last two years, Sweet 16 last year. How has it been like following them and working for Providence College? It's really cool. I mean, it's something that I've never dreamed of. I've been as big of a fan. We've been really big fans as well. And I think that it's just like super cool being a part of two great years, two memorable years that no one will ever forget. But it's really special to me just because I realize like, like, not many people get to do this and be around like a great coaching staff, great support system, and also just great players. Like they're all super nice and um, very, very helpful to me, and it's been awesome. Yeah, I mean that's for this stage of your career for being in sports media communications. That's definitely a dream job. Um, I can say I was a little jealous of it. I know I haven't done a lot of the stuff that you have. I've mostly really stayed on the play-by-play side of things, but that's still growing up a fan for so long, going to all the games, and then getting to sit at half court right at the table and work the games. That is just awesome. And I know you got something else going on at Endicott that you actually missed on when you were naming all the things you do in communications. And if it wasn't 
for what you do that you missed on, I don't know if I would be right here with you right now. I know you have a podcast at Endicott. It's, what is it, co-hosted? Yeah, co-hosted with Joe Casey, who's our head sports broadcaster as well. Um, it's called The Ultimate Goal. It's also on Spotify if you would like to give it a listen. Um, we cover everything with Endicott Athletics, and we also do an interview with um, players that are in season. And then we're going to also get some coaches on during the spring as well. So stay tuned for our next episodes. Yeah, that really inspired me to get to do this and move over from the radio so that more of you could listen. I know I was on the radio, kind of an awkward time of the day. A lot of people had classes or work Mondays at 11. That's not a great time for people to listen live. So now with the podcast thing, you guys can all come here and listen whatever you want. And partly inspired by Michael and the team over at Endicott on the Ultimate Goal. And we'll definitely have student athletes coming up when we get back on campus as well as coaches who's ever willing to come on. We'll talk to them all about Wheaton College Athletics. One more thing, Mike. So you've almost halfway through college in the communications world. What would your dream job be right now going forward out of college? Yeah, throughout my experiences at Endicott and also Providence College, I would also say like just being a sports information director at a, at a high major school, specifically like a Power Five, in sports that I'm like really interested now, which is like football, baseball, basketball. Like, I love being around like a team and some like coaches that are very um, that that really love their job too. I think it's a great atmosphere just to be around people that you're loved by and really cared but uh, cared about. And I think it's just awesome to hopefully have that in my future. Yeah, just hanging around an SID office, getting to know all the coaches, student-athletes. I mean, it's it's really a special thing that's hard to describe. And just to kind of wrap this all up, I know we don't have much of it at Wheaton in terms of students in communications along the lines. And it's ramping up, though. I will give credit to Alan Wickstrom and Kalen Smith for getting everybody involved along those lines. A lot of different people behind the camera taking photos or filming. It's all really starting to ramp up, and I'm super happy to see it and hopefully we continue to keep building something going forward. But it is a lot of hard work, though, managing not only doing that, because it's almost like a job. Well, it is a job. A lot of people are getting paid at school to do this. It's like a job, but then everybody else is pretty much a student athlete, too. So you're balancing so much dedication and hard work and time into your own sport. And then also covering and talking about all these other sports, too. It's not an easy thing to do as a college student right now in these days. Yeah, I think for, like, people that are just starting out in college, maybe going into college, you find yourself, like, you're going to have to master the, the skill of time management. And the more stuff you do at, at college will just, like, help you find what you really like and what you want to do in your future. I think it's just really important you start to try new things when you're in college because you never know like the connections you make or the people that you want to be around like you really find your niche and the thing that you really like and I think it's it's awesome to try new things and I I really recommend that. Yeah, so both of us highly encourage you if you're thinking about it to get involved whether it's announcing stats writing anything involving your school and communications don't hesitate get into it and mike just said it best i really appreciate appreciate you coming on today clap it means a lot to me and thanks for everything and 
I'm really excited to get back on campus and now move on with student athletes and coaches on the show. But Mike, appreciate you coming on today. Thank you for having me. All right. Have a good week, everybody. We'll be back next week. Our first episode on campus for the Wheaton Watch here on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. As always, I'm Jackson Walsh.